All right, let's turn our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Welcome to the first Sunday of November. Keep your hands at 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Morning. Oh, yes, Brother Kelly brought some of his books that he's no longer need of. And if you want to go through that, you could. It's a table right over here to the right. Also, if you are uh, uh, game for doing some uh, honoring the vets, the veterans that we have, we have some in our church. But uh, what we normally annually do, check over here on this uh, sign-up board if you want to make baked goods, cookies, or uh, bread, or anything such of that nature. And there's a list of uh, different VAs that we go to. And if you want to write down your name, you want to go and drop off those on Saturday, 11th, this coming Saturday. So I'll put a post on that. I've been forgetting. And so there's still a lot of places there you could sign up. And that we encourage you to do that. All right. Lesson 12. After this, we have one more lesson. And we're going to go into our new series of making home work. Making home work. All right. And a little bit more family-geared oriented lessons. And that it would help all ages, I believe. It would help all ages. Uh, and so it would be something that we're going to go into after uh, one more lesson from Lesson t- uh, 13 is the next one. We'll finish Lesson 12 today, and we got one more lesson. And so it'll be around probably either end of November, early December, we'll start the other lesson. We're going to try something new. I'm going to put it on PowerPoint, and we're going to do uh, your handout. is going to be a little bigger. So you could see, and uh, you can keep that as a note for uh, further studies later as you would uh, go back and look at them. That's what's nice about writing notes. Uh, you can reflect on them and go back, and it would be a record of what you heard, at least what you wrote down, and it would help you. So just in a way of uh, recap here so that we can move on, uh, Lesson 12, Real Giving, uh, perhaps one of the most uh, rigorous test of authenticity in the local church is our financial giving and the heart from which we give. So we understand that it's a heart more than it is a finance situation. And some of those principles will be re- reiterated again as we go and finish the lesson today. So lesson uh, 12 again, uh, point number one, uh, if you are... Uh, without your notes last time, their passion for giving. The word is passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N. That's your Roman numeral one, the passion for giving. And we looked at 2 Corinthians 8, 1 to 4, regarding uh, Paul's admonition to the Corinthian church, and he used an example of the Macedonian churches, which one of them is Philippi, all right, Uh, the Philippian church. Uh, that we have a book of called Philippians. So he used them as an example of their giving. Now, letter A, we see that it was developed by God's grace. God's grace, grace the ability uh, beyond human ability, God's ability that was bestowed on them 
that they had the will to give what they wanted to give, and not only that, but the ability to give what they wanted to give. All right? That's the neat thing about the Lord. He can, he can give you a vision, and then he'll give you the execution of the vision. All right? He will not call you and then leave you out to dry. If he calls you to do something particular, and he'll want you to do something, uh, accomplish a goal and a mission for him, he will be alongside of you, working with you, preparing the ground ahead of you, and helping you behind you. He's all around you, trying to get this thing done. And so don't be afraid, and don't let the devil whisper discouragement, disappointment, and say it's never going to work, because uh, the devil can discourage you by making you focus on yourself and your own ability. And a lot of us, if we're honest, is not very pretty, right? Within me, Paul says, dwelleth no good thing. He knows how wicked he was. He said, the will in me is present, but the performing of it I find hard, and the things that I would not, that I do, and you know all that. And so even one of our heroes that we probably looked up to in Christianity, Paul, uh, probably one of the best Christians that ever lived, Yet he himself admits that it's not in him. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And there's so much more. We just need to keep moving here. So developed by God's grace. And then we continued with letter B under Roman numeral 1. And that would be demonstrated by God's people. Demonstrated by God's people. See, God gets the glory when us that are weak and are unable to do what the mission is, But when we partner with God that is able to do all things, it's just the way he sees that he gets the glory that way. He uses weak vessels that the world uh, might say, well, what are they going to do? And then God with us and the world says, wow, look at what they did. And that's the way God gets glory. That's the way his light is shine into the world. Let your light so shine, Matthew 5. Uh, that he that the world may see uh, may see your good works and then glorify God, uh, which is in heaven, your Father, which is in heaven. Religion sits and makes us looks good. That's what religion does. It sets rules and boundaries and creeds and doctrines and different uh, habitual ritualistic movements and motion that makes us look good. And it sits there to make us look good. And it's only defined by human ingenuity and human uh, organization. But when God, the true Christianity, comes in, men can explain it. And they have to look up and say something or someone is doing it with them. They couldn't do this themselves. And so that is uh, what we have if we have true Christianity. We're talking about real church. Uh, we want to have a real Create, uh, we want to have a real uh, relationship with God so that it could be demonstrated and that people cannot say anything but God had wrought this work. And there's so many scriptures uh, and, and, and examples in the Old Testament, New Testament, where people saw truly this was not of man, this is of God. All right? In your life, in my life, the ministries we're involved in, our life that we live as a Christian maybe always a demonstration of God working in you. And so we sing uh, some songs like, I saw Jesus in you. What would Jesus do? All of those things come out because of that. They need to see Jesus, not just you, being good. They need to see God. 
because God is the ultimate one that changes lives. So demonstrated by God's people in that number one, we saw that they had a willing heart. It starts with wanting this, wanting to cooperate and work with God. And number two, he's a gentleman. He won't force you, so it has to be that way. It has to be a free will. Uh, You're exercising that liberty of choice. Two, ministering hearts. They wanted to be a servant. Not only were they willing, they were willing to be servants as well, to the point that they were willing to give what they had. Servanthood is just giving what you have. And that's the platform. That's the stepping stone to get to the place where you can give. Now, the second thing, the third thing they had was a sacrificial heart. You'll never give something you don't actually have until you first give what you do have. It starts right there. And we have to get to that point. And there's some uh, further thoughts on as we continue. So number three is sacrificial hearts. That's what we see there in letter B. Now, we go to point two, Roman numeral two, and we have point Three later, and we'll finish today this lesson number two, uh, 12, I should say, about real giving. Now, we see their passion. Number two, we see their perspective in giving. Their perspective, P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E. P-E-R-S-P-E-C-T-I-V-E. Perspective in giving. Paul reminded the Corinthian Christians of a twofold perspective for their giving. All right, perspective is the way we view, the way we see things. And letter A, right away here on subpoint number uh, letter A, is finish. All right, the twofold perspective number uh, letter A is to finish a commitment. F I N I S H, to finish a commitment. Look at Second Corinthians chapter number eight. We're there, and verse number six. And verse number 10, and we'll read this together, and we'll go ahead and pray and continue this morning. So according to the scripture here in 2 Corinthians 8, 6, in so much that we desire Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. And remember the grace we talked about in the latter uh, points, that grace is the ability. And so giving is an ability. All right, that God can give us the grace to accomplish. Verse number 10 now of the same chapter. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. And you see the growth here, the idea of growth, the challenge, the challenge to grow, to be better than you were a year ago. All right, let me read that again. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you. Who had begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. And so that ties in with this idea to finish a commitment. Let us pray. Lord, help us as we continue. Help me. Guide my mind. Guide my heart. Help me to be clear. Help it to be understood. Lord, I pray that the distraction will be minimal. And Lord, to none. I pray that the devil uh, will feel that he's not welcome in this place. And, Lord, that he is not invited and that we don't want his influence. And, Lord, and his agenda is not something we want, and we're totally against anything he promotes. And, Lord God, we ask you to be the superintendent of what's going on even right now. Help me to say what you want me to say and change it if you feel that it's necessary. Holy Ghost, just be very present with those that are listening as much as it is with me that it's teaching. 
Bless us, help us even now to prepare for the next services to follow today, the Sunday morning and our Sunday night. Hope that you would give us a mindfulness of our Lord's Supper as well. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do, continue to do, and will do. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen and amen. It was the grace of God that had moved on their heart to cause them to make a commitment. And that was clear. And how Titus was being used of God to remind them to follow up, follow up on the commitment they had made. Kind of similar to us. Our church has just finished our uh, stewardship month of October. This being the first Sunday of November. We're moving into Thanksgiving. And again, I would encourage you. We have Lord's Supper tonight. So maybe if there's somebody that has a testimony, I would keep it to maybe one or two. Uh, We'll just do it the whole month of November. I would like for people to participate, probably typically on a Sunday night. Bring a a testimony. It could be something to do. And it would be nice if we did it towards the idea of mission, as we did, and we'll see it later, probably our largest uh, commitment ever as a church with 396,000 plus and 84 commitment cards for this year. And so the idea is the same thing here. We have now the, the willingness to do this. That's what we did. We just collected the cards. Uh, we prayed and we said, God, you led us to come up with these numbers individually and now collectively we put it together. This is the amount of what we have. And now the message for us is now let's do it. We have now the committed heart with the willingness to do this. Now let's just go ahead and do it, all right? Uh, And so we find uh, that Titus was sent here uh, to let them know, hey, don't forget what you guys decided to do. Now let's go ahead and put some action to that desire. David did the same thing back in the Old Testament when it comes to the building of the temple, the tabernacle, or the temple it would have been, Uh, by his son Solomon. David challenged Solomon to follow through on what God had given him to do to purpose to finish the work of the glory of to the glory of God. Look at first Chronicles. It's in your notes, I believe. Let's take a look at that. First Chronicles 28 and verse number 20. And David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of a good courage. You can kind of take that here if you look at that and do it. All right. Be strong And about good courage, why do you need those things before you do something? Because there's opposition. Be strong and about good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of of the house of the Lord. And it did happen. We know the history that it was built, and it was amazing. There was nothing like it. And even all the other rebuilding of the temple, as we see in Nehemiah and and Ezra and Haggai, uh, it was not even close to Solomon's building of the temple. And even the one that's going to be built here, and uh, the, the process of getting the sacrifices back again, the ceremonial laws will be enacted, the looking for the heifer, and uh, they got the priest order all figured out, and that's all going to happen because uh, God's going to take us home, hallelujah, and this is going to be part of prophecy. It's going to be enacted again, the sacrificial things that the the Judaism did before. Nothing compared 
to what the temple was built. It was, it was just amazing how uh, you can read it in the books, I believe, of the Chronicles, Samuel, and Kings. Somewhere in there you can find how it was such a magnificent building and structure. The heart of willingness is not enough if we lack the trust in God to actually follow through on our commitments. And so now we have the faith, and we were moved by the Holy Ghost to have a desire, and we put it on paper. And now we need that same faith, and probably more of it, to now go ahead and start doing what we have said with our mouths. All right? A basic giving commitment with every Christian should uh, make it is to faithfully give a tithe, 10% of his or, or her income to the Lord. That's the basic start. If you're learning giving 101, probably the first things that you'll be instructed is that give a 10% of all your income, meaning gross, of the gross part of your income. Look at Malachi 3 and verse number 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there be meat in mine house, and prove me now therewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. All right? In the New, Test- in the New Testament, Christian often gave far beyond the tithe because of God's grace had worked in their hearts to cause them to want to give sacrificially. Yet the tithe is a baseline point for starting to give by commitment. I'm going to throw in something here. The tenth tithe was given to us by the law, but it was practiced way before the law. It was practiced by a man named Abraham, and we liken him, and we call him the father of faith, all right? And he offered to Melchizedek, and you'll find that name, the priest order of Melchizedek in Hebrews. I don't want to confuse you right now, because I'm not going to have time to elaborate this, but Melchizedek, I believe, was in persona of the Lord. You know that Jesus Christ was not out of Aaron's priest order because Aaron was the priest, right? It wasn't Moses. Moses was the leader. And then he had his brother Aaron became the first priest, all right? And Jesus did not come from the line of Aaron, all right? That's very clear in the book of Hebrews. It came from the line of Melchizedek. That's Jesus Christ. When he came on earth, he enacted three roles. He was a priest, he was a prophet, and he was a king, all right? And now we understand he was also a servant, all right? I don't have time to elaborate that. something you want to study and ask questions later, you could. But uh, so Melchizedek, the Bible talks about him, he has without beginning. He has neither mother nor father. And so that signifies that that would have to be a deity, all right? And there's only one deity we believe. There's no other God but God. All right? And so we find that that is where God uh, used to meet with Abraham before the law. Because Aaron wasn't around. All right? Because there was no law yet. All right? And so Abraham offered to Melchizedek, and he gave the tenth part out of his free will. No body, no organization, no body of government told him to do that. It was from his heart. Remember again, giving is from where? From the heart. Nobody can tell you, nobody can give law to you by freely giving. It's just, it just have to be you. And God working in your heart. And so Abraham felt necessary 
that, that God uh, is worthy of his adoration, he gave before the law. Before the law. And in fact, because of his action and giving, kind of like is really neat here, kind of like now Paul is using the same thing here, the same principle of idea, all right? And we'll find that here as we continue, that he's talking to the Corinthian church not by commandment, and we'll find that here later. It's not by commandment that we give this. And so as you see, we operated in, a, in this giving. It's not by commandment. You can give if you want. If you don't want to give, you don't give, all right? It's a free will choice. And so as Moses... Uh, I'm sorry, as Abraham gave to Melchizedek and obviously to the Lord out of his free will, and it was not by commandment, it was not under the law, and so the Macedonian churches was used by Paul to instruct another group of churches, well, another church, the Corinthian church, to give as they did, all right? Give from your heart. And we've been reading 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 1. And so you see that pattern. Now what I'm saying about tithing. A lot of people have, uh, have an idea of how to do tithe. A lot of people, they feel like they can give their own tithes the way they want. I don't find that in scripture where you hold the tithe of your money and you decide what to t- participate in. Because the law and is very clear where you bring the, the, the tithe into the storehouse. So that means we have to bring all our tithe to your house and you're the authority to disseminate tithe. That's not the scripture teaching. The scripture teaching is he, he gave us the church as the local place where the tithes need to be given. And then the authority that he has given the local church, they decide where the tithes must be disseminated. And now others practice different things. And uh, you have to answer the Lord for that. Uh, it didn't have, this is not a tithing message, although I want to say something here. Another thing that happens is this. Some people believe that's an Old Testament practice. That's an Old Testament practice. Okay? It's not told us in the New Testament to do the same thing. Correct? Now, look at Matthew 5. It's not in your notes. But Matthew 5. List for us. Don't have to look at it right now. Look at it later because we don't have time. But look at Matthew 5. Look at it. And the attitude of Jesus Christ teaching his people at that time He revered the law. He came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. But he used the law in Matthew 5, and he talked about the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. It's it's found there. In Exodus 20, for sure. I don't know where in Deuteronomy, but the the, the Ten Commandments is referred to in Deuteronomy as well. I don't know which chapter, but Exodus 20. He lists down several things, and two of them were, Thou shalt not murder. What the Bible says in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 5, it says that actually under grace, not under the law, but under Christ is new law to love one another, right? That's the new law. Christ came up with that. He says that a new commandment I give unto you. And what is that? To love one another. With this very, very idea of loving one another and giving to one another and esteeming one another, let's Basically, what he did with the law is he elevated. And he gave us the very principle of why we should not murder. And he said this. He said, if you have hatred in your heart for your brother, you might as well murder them already. The same token, we find this word, the same thing about thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus says, 
If you look upon a woman with your lust in your heart, you already committed adultery with her in your heart already. So when God brings in his new commandment, his grace, right? Jesus Christ came with grace. What does grace do in principle? It magnifies the motive and why we do what we do. And it highlights, okay, thou shalt not murder, but let's get it deeper. In your heart, if you have hatred for somebody, you might as well murder them. In your heart, if there's lust in your heart over a, a, a person and you want to commit adultery, in your heart, you already has committed it. And you see grace magnifies and really gets into the heart issue of law that was written. All right? And so when you see that idea then, God continues to say this. He says, if somebody asks you to go a mile, what do you do? You go the extra mile. If somebody says, give me your coat. I, I messed up there. I don't know what the coat was, the cloak first. I don't know which one, but it's in there. If somebody asks you for your coat, give them your cloak also. You see the grace now? Not only is it just meeting what is asked, is going above. All right? And then it says this. If somebody hits you on the right cheek, what do you do? You turn the other cheek also. When somebody hates you, you're supposed to do what? Do good to them. If, if you have an enemy and they want to hurt you, what are you supposed to do? You overcome evil with good. That's the new commandment, the new principle line, the very, very essence of what God says to have love one for another. And it's brought to us there that everything hangs on these two laws. Love God first, and then there's all of our being, strength, might, mind, all of it there. I'm messing that all up. And then the second one is to like your neighbor as yourself. So now, let me conclude this. This is how I practice tithing in the New Testament in this time. I should give more than 10%. That's the conclusion I get. I should give more. You're you're problematic and say, well, it's not a New Testament practice. And why should... I'm getting a tangent. I'm getting water. You're right. Because the New Testament deems you to give more. You want to be technical about it. The New Testament wants you to give more. Now, I'm not, I'm not in our church, I'm not changing anything. I'm just telling you, we practice tithing here, 10%. That's a clear teaching that's been taught us for a long time. And guess what? It has not hurt us. It has not hurt us to be taught to give a 10%. But if you want to be technical about it, you should give more than 10%. Okay? Did I confuse you? All right, good. That means you're going to ask questions. In the New Testament, Christian often gave far beyond the tithe because, now this makes sense now why he's saying this, but a chapel, God's grace had worked in their hearts to cause them to want to give sacrificially. Yet, the tithe is a baseline point for starting to give by commitment. It's just a baseline. It's just a good outline to do that, all right? As Paul challenged the believers in the church, Corinth to finish their commitment, he reminded them of the sacrificial giving of Christ for them. Letter B. And that's the idea. Giving has to be from the heart, moved by the Holy Ghost. In reminding us of who our, our, we are named after. We're named after Christ. And how did Christ give? 10%? Did God, did the principle of giving in Christ's mind 10%? Did, did God says, okay, you prayed 
Woo, it's over. You prayed way too long. All right, anything you said at this point, guys, let's cut this. All right, okay, you have to come back next week because you prayed way over time. That's not how God gives to you. That's not his attitude towards us. He's very giving. He's very giving. And so we say we're Christian, we have to do the same. All right, letter B here, to focus on Christ. To focus on Christ. When Paul challenged the members of the church at Corinth concerning their giving, he didn't primarily focus their attention on the exemplary giving of the Macedonians. He reminded them of the sacrificial giving of Christ for them. And we find that here in 2 Corinthians 8. Look at verse number 8. I speak not by commandment, as I said earlier, I kind of defined that for us. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. And to prove the sincerity of your love, verse number 9, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who did he use as an example here? Not the Macedonians at this point. He's using Jesus. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. We need to give to the point that sometimes it hurts us. That's foreign to us American, but it is biblical. And don't get upset at people when they exercise that, all right? Let them do that. They give almost hysterically, all right? And now, here's the problem, because some will say this. Well, pastor, they're giving, and they're braggadocious about it, and they're foolish. If you're giving to hurt yourself, and then you're braggadocious about it, you're screaming out loud, You are no better than the Pharisees. Remember what the Pharisees, bottom line, base time here, baseline, what did they do? Anytime they did something, an action, that their service for God, they need to know, they need, in their mind, everybody needs to know what we're doing for God. Right? If they, if they, they, they fast, what do they try to do? They try to look like they fasted, so that everybody could see that they're actually fasted. Well, if you're giving sacrificially that way, and you're complaining, and you're murmuring, and you're guilt-tripping people that have money, and saying, well, well we give this way, why? No, 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 you're, you're all base. You are wrong, dude. You are totally wrong. If you want to give sacrificially, and you want to give, it, and, and it hurts to you, and if you're really doing it the Bible way, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's happening. Nobody knows what's happening. Because giving, again, is between you and God. All right? Because somebody that's smart to you, if you're giving and hurting yourself, somebody that's smart should say this. Maybe you couldn't give as much as you think you're giving. And that is not out of place. Well, I'm taking a second mortgage out of my house so I can give to Faith Promise Mission. I'm not saying people are doing that, but that could happen. I'm going to borrow money. So that I can give the faith promise mission. Who told you to do that? Who told you to do that? Show me from scripture where God says that's an okay way of doing that. Right? That's where we have to go back to scripture here and find that out. That lady that gave two, th- uh, the two mice, she gave all that she had. Well, God apparently commended her and she wasn't looking for anybody to notice that. Remember I told you again, what was Jesus doing? He was being a little nosy, and now that he can, he's God. He has every right. 
to know everything that's going on. And in fact, he does. He knows the motives of your heart. Even as you sit here, he knows what's going on. All right? And so he has the ability to do that. But that woman, when she gave two mites, she didn't want anybody to know that. That's clear in the story. That was clear in the story. Her motive was not, hey, y'all, I got two mites I'm giving, and I know I'm going to be used as a memorial for the rest of the time. Uh, look at this now, y'all. No, she didn't do it that way. She had, she had no aspiration to be noticed. In fact, to be honest about it, she probably felt embarrassed at what she's giving. And she didn't want notice. She just, this is all I have, God, and I'm giving it to you. All right? And so get that perspective. If you're complaining and saying, well, I give all these years to the Lord, now I don't have, that's not God's fault, and that's not our fault. You decided that. Don't be belly aching to us. You decided that. All right? Uh, God is, because by the way, when you do that, you're really hurting God's name. Well, I live for God, and I sacrifice, and I was in the ministry, and I was a missionary, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then you, you have a change of mind, and, and you come around, and you say, well, God didn't take care of me. That's not their fault. We didn't call you, right? Don't guilt trip us. We didn't call you. That's between you and God. I was on mission, and there was times that we lacked. And guess what? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did you see anything from my mouth that I bellyache and complained? Because God called me in the ministry. No, we should not. So if you guys decide to give to the Lord, it's between you and God. Nobody told you that. Hopefully nobody guilt trip you to do that. And when you give to that and then a tragedy happens, You can't blame us, right? You, you decide to give to the Lord here, and God is, God is in control, and I can't, I can't be God. I don't know why he did this, but you give, it's a significant amount, and then boom, something happens. You know you can glorify God by your attitude at that point or not. Did God make a mistake in letting you give that amount because this thing happened? Or are you going to say God has it all in control? There's a reason why this happened. I'm still going to do what I, what, I, what I committed to give. Right? All right. Look at this. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The Christian life, and especially Christian giving, will never make sense until our eyes are focused on Jesus. As Warren Wiersbe said, Christian giving does not depend on material circumstances so much as spiritual convictions. Christian giving does not depend on material circumstances so much as spiritual conviction. Our material circumstances are constantly changing, is it not? But when we have a solid conviction that everything in our possession belongs to God, we will continue to give sacrificially and trust the Lord to provide for our needs. All right? It was a free will offering. All right? The giving and the idea of principle of giving is to prove your sincerity to the Lord. It's between you and him. The Lord, uh, through 
demonstration of the action of giving uh, showed his sincerity to us but by giving his son. Look at Romans 5.8. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then very famous verses here in Philippians 2, 5, and 8. Let me just read it quickly to you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, taught it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death and even the death of the cross. You see the, the spirit of humility here? It was not him doing this so that he can get uh, bragging rights. It was all through sincere heart, and he's just going to do it because it's the right thing to do, because God needed a sacrifice, and we needed a Savior, and so he did it. Christian givers are motivated by the cross. We see the unspeakable, the unspeakable gift Christ gave us, and we want to return thanks through our giving. And look at that in 2 Corinthians 9, in verse 15 in your notes. It says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gifts. Let us notice the way in which they give. Lastly here, we quickly, I'll just give you the points here. It's a lot of uh, repetition anyways of the same principle we covered already. Number three, their performance in giving. Their performance in giving. P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E performance in giving. Paul didn't just admonish the Corinthian church to have a heart for giving. He challenged them to follow through in their giving. So letter A, we find the execution of giving. The execution of giving. E-X-E-C-U-T-I-O-N. E-X-E-C-U-T-I-O-N. So you made your commitment a year ago, and now it's time to execute as we read earlier. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. Uh, again, in verse number 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if they be first a willing mind, it is acceptable according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. And that's uh, a good one, again, to be reminded of. The point of, uh, this point of execution, performing the doing of it, is vital to our giving. Without performing we are all talked with no fruit to show for it. All right? Now, the idea of performance is not that you have an audience here. The idea of the word performance here is just simply doing it. All right? And we, we made that clear. We don't want to be Pharisees. We want to do this uh, sincerely and with a, with, an, in, with, a, with a heart towards the Lord. Sometimes we so lament what we don't have that we fail to give sacrificially from what we do have, all right? We focus on what we don't have, and so as we focus on what we don't have, the need, we have so much need, that spirit deters us from looking at what we do have, and so if we don't see what we do have, we don't give, all right? Uh, So we need to let the Holy Ghost let us stop looking at what we don't have and focus on what we do have, and what we do have here, let's ask the Lord to help us to give from what we have. All right? Uh, It's not what you do with the million of fortune should err by your lot. It's an unknown author wrote this. It's not what you do with the million if fortune should err by your lot, 
But what are you doing at the present with the dollar and quarter you got? Simply put, we must give from what we have because we can't give from what we don't have. All right? So that's, again, God is, 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 does things in order, and it makes sense only to start with what we have. All right? He's going to start there. If you have a problem with what you have, and you are having a hard time giving from that, how in the world are you going to give beyond your power? All right, it starts there. So let's get our hearts in tune with God and say, God, look at what I have. And from this that I have, please move upon me to will to do something of what I have and then help me by grace to have the ability now to perform that desire you gave me. And as you do that, and as you do that, as you do that, as you do that, then the blessings is, it's not only that you get and that you get, guess what? Oh, here's, here's, here's logical. Uh, you start with a little, and you operate this way. What happens when you start with a little? God's resource comes and partners with you. And his God is limitless. And so his resource comes over to you, and now what happens? Now it's not just your resource, but now your resource is matching with God's resource. And now, all of a sudden, you learn and you experience giving beyond your power. Beyond your power. Now you're giving beyond your power. Because as you give with what you have, God joins in with you with what he has. And he has is unlimitless. And so in, intent, in, in, in all technicality, you give more than what you could ever give yourself. You get unexpected blessing comes through. And what do you do with an unexpected blessing? If you have the heart to give already, what you have. And God gives you more on top of that. Guess what you're going to do? You're not going to stop. You're going to say, wow, thank you, Lord. I just want to give some more of this too. And so now you give more than what you had started with. And that's how that works. Mark 14, 8. She had done what she could. She is come aforehand to anoint the body of the bearing. This is, again, the lady that I was talking to you about that was anointing Jesus with ointment. Our time is expiring, so let me give you letter B, and we'll be done. All right? They have an execution to give, but letter B, an equality of giving. An equality of giving. And let me read you last verses here, 13 to 15, and we'll be done. All right? Equality. E-Q-U-A-L-I. T-Y, equality. And what does God say about that? For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burden, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be supplied for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. As it is written, he had gathered much, had nothing over, and he had gathered little, had no lack. And he referred to an exodus when the manna was being provided. God told them that each family, God understands some families bigger than others. And so he says, every morning when you get your manna, get enough for your own family. So those that have more has to get more because they have to feed more. All right? And so here we find God instructs the Israelites to gather manna in proportion to their eating. In like manner, he instructs us to give in proportion to our blessings. All right? Strangely enough, this is the, the thought, sometimes what happens is as God blesses us, we become stingy at that point rather than a bit more liberal. The more we are given by God, the more liberal we should give, all right? But that could be a problem when you start with a little, 
and you trust God with that, and God then provides more, and you say, well, I'm going to keep giving the way I was giving before. No. The idea is the more God gives you now, that means you're more able to give. The more you can give. All right? Time has expired. Let us pray. Lord, bless in this next service. Help us with this idea of giving in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Oh, boy. Got nine minutes. Get out of here.